Welcome to Disney Versus, the podcast where we have animated discussions about animated movies. This is Tori. I'm flying solo today. Grace and Heather are off on vacation, but I'm still doing work. We have a special guest today, a very good friend of mine, Casey Polk, a psychologist. How are you, Casey? I am doing all right. We are going to have a very informed discussion about Inside Out. During the recording of the Inside Out episode, we were going on and on about the movie, and we aren't psychologists, as you heard. So I decided, why not get a real psychologist to talk about the psychology of Inside Out? I called Casey, asked if she wanted to do the episode. She said yes, so here we are. Casey, tell us a little bit about yourself. What are your credentials in the psychologist world? Okay, well, uh, quick disclaimer, I am a psychologist in training. Okay. I do not have a license. I'm in grad school. I know what I'm talking about, but I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what's your history with Disney movies? Like, what's your favorite Disney movie? I think my favorite Disney movie when I was really little was Aladdin, but middle childhood, it was Mulan. Definitely. Good choices. As I said, we're going to talk about Inside Out. Again, if you haven't seen the movie, which pretty sure most of the world has seen Inside Out, we're going to spoil it. Casey, it's your first time watching Inside Out, right? Yep. I watched Inside Out for the very first time yesterday, uh, despite constantly being told to watch the movie because I am a therapist. Other disclaimer, I, I am actually a therapist and I do see clients, so should not have been so self-deprecating. <laughs> what do you think of the movie? Did you like it? Did you hate it? My initial reaction was that it wasn't the same as the hype that I had heard so much about because it a lot of people made it sound like this was something that was just a totally new revolutionary idea, you know, to have sadness play such a big role. And for me, that was not a very revolutionary idea, so it didn't have the same impact, I guess. Okay. And the other thing was I immediately realized that there were two emotions missing if you're going to have all the basic emotions. Do you want to guess what the other two are besides you know anger fear disgust sadness and happiness i have no idea fire away surprise and contempt contempt i'm still in shock that that is a distinct emotion i am too yeah that's one of the universal emotions that everybody across the world uh feels and expresses in similar ways i didn't know that was i didn't know contempt was an emotion i didn't know surprise that's weird i feel like contempt is like the love child of disgust and anger (laughs) and then surprise is like happiness and fear a little bit that's weird that's actually a really good uh way to put it because contempt and disgust are really 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 related so i immediately was like oh hey disgust is actually kind of doubling down and doing the job for contempt since Mm -hmm. contempt isn't around and Fear was kind of doubling down and do doing the job of surprise. You know, I I liked it. I did. I forgot to <laughs> say that part. I did actually like it. Did you have a favorite part? Mm, I really liked when sadness was comforting Bing Bong. Um, when he was crying candy. Yes, <laughs> when he was crying candy. That was cute. Because that that was a really good metaphor in my brain for the fact that you really need sadness 
and need to have felt pain in order to empathize with another person's pain. So sadness would be the perfect person to empathize with anybody. Yeah. Were the emotions themselves like solid constructs or were they just simple ideas that could have been deeper or were trying to be deeper and weren't? <laughs> Disgust is such a intense but like very very time limited emotion and like very specific emotion mm -hmm. but when I thought about it as her also doing the job for contempt it all made a lot more sense like having the little valley girl <laughs> none of this little gossip scarf. girl stuff yeah <laughs> anger I liked it especially when he uh, put the little idea light bulb for Riley to run away because mm -hmm. that was very spot on for how when you're angry your actions tend to be a lot more impulsive and reckless and maybe not as well thought out and spontaneous mm -hmm. quick and like then you almost as quickly are like no 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 never mind this is a bad idea mm -hmm. i've ran away before and it was out of nowhere and it was out of anger because i think it was either because i didn't get what i wanted for dinner or there was a toy that i wanted and i didn't get it but i was five I didn't know any better, so <laughs> packing up, well not five, I was probably like seven, let's go with seven. Packed up my my little rucksack full of toys and just took off down the block, got to the end of the block and was like, this is stupid, came right back home. That's my runaway story. I was imagining you, because since I know where you grew up, I was immediately imagining where you could go and there really wasn't anywhere. <laughs> nope. There's just, there's my house, there's, you know, the neighborhood, and then there's a road with a bunch of trees. So I would have got to the trees and been like, I'm lost, <laughs> I don't want to be lost, so I'm just going to go back to where it's familiar, which is home. And that was really what Riley wanted, was to go home. Yeah. After a while, she just, she was on the bus, she came to her senses. I can't remember if that was when, that was when Joy and Sadness got back to headquarters, when Riley came to her senses. Oh, the other thing that I really enjoyed that was actually kind of spot on was that scene where she got on the bus and, like, the control panel started to get dysfunction where they couldn't work it anymore. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a kind of an interesting metaphor for how if you avoid all of your emotions and avoid negativity and all this stuff that actually does build up and lead to um, potential mental illness or psychopathology that's actually the model for how people become depressed or anxious or mentally ill in one new type of therapy that i love <laughs> just saying and the whole idea is essentially that it's a myth that people need to be happy all the time and trying to be happy all the time and trying to avoid your negative emotions is actually what leads to a lot of your psychological issues. I remember the one thing that you text me about the movie when you started watching it, that Joy's a bitch. Joy's a bitch. <laughs> and I think Grace and Heather will agree with you that Joy's the worst. She has the best intentions, but she's just an ass about achieving them, and she she just doesn't understand. And I feel like, like Joy is Riley in this movie a little bit. Like, she had to learn so Riley could learn, I guess. Sadness probably knows the most, but it's through impulse, not by actual knowledge. Because mm -hmm. we talked about it in the episode. Sadness didn't know why she was doing the things she was doing. She just mm -hmm. knew she had to do them. I agree that Joy was a bitch, but 
that was actually good because there's a book called The Happiness Trap that talks about how we as a society now have tried to normalize the idea that people need to be happy all the time Mm -hmm. and that then contributes to people becoming upset and getting down on themselves when they can't be happy all the time yeah which is an impossible thing to do so joy actually constantly wanting to try to make riley happy and only feel happiness and her parents were assholes (laughs) holy shit can i curse yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. Joy Joy was a bitch. Parents were a bitch for wanting her to be happy when in a move when they were obviously upset. So how can they put that on a little kid mm-hmm. that you need to be happy for us and, like, totally compartmentalize or, or bury all of your other feelings and all of your other thoughts about the move and all of the other really complicated shit that she needed to work through in order to find her place because mm-hmm. it's like it's exactly what joy was trying to do this at to sadness i feel like joy saw her parents ask hey can you just be happy we we need you to be happy that would help us out joy saw that and took it and ran with it at the same time sadness needed to it was it was sadness's turn and the fact that sadness was being suppressed only made things worse definitely Let's talk about what it takes to move, like change cities. Because we've both moved at around the same age as Riley. Like I moved when I was eight. When did you move? About nine. So about around the same age as Riley back in that, you know, I don't understand what's going on. Why is this happening? I just want to be where I'm familiar stage. I mean, what I just said, that's kind of how I felt when I moved. Okay, mom and dad, I just want to stay here. Can I just stay here, please? That'd be great. Is, like, is that kind of how you felt? Is that kind of what goes through a person's head when they're moving? Or is it a case-by-case basis? For everybody, it's an adjustment period. And how long that lasts is kind of more what varies by person. I adjusted relatively quickly just because I didn't have a whole lot of friends or... I didn't have a whole lot to like grieve and miss. So... I was able to work through all that sadness pretty quickly because there wasn't the joy and the positivity to begin with. So it's like Riley had such a big foundation in Minnesota. I guess it's just the bigger the high, the harder the fall, or the more you have to dig through to get to a new foundation, I guess. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's the opposite way around where it's like you have to feel the sadness before you can feel joy again. So there's... No joy without pain. So talking about, let's get back to sadness for a second. I kind of said that joy is kind of the protagonist. So does that, do you think sadness is an antagonist in this? Or is sadness the actual protagonist and joy is the person we're supposed to root against? Or just the obstacle for sadness? I personally would think that sadness is the protagonist and joy is the antagonist. Because she's, she's the one that is stopping Riley from uh, doing what she really needs to do for Riley's best interest because of her own ego, faults, whatever, mm-hmm. need to be in control. So if, like, if Joy had let sadness be sadness from the beginning, Riley wouldn't have lost her shit? Yeah, if, if Joy had been less intent on making sure all of the memories were tinted with her color... And actually paid attention to what Riley needed in the long term, things would have been a lot different. That's actually why I really liked Bing Bong. It's because 
Bing Bong was acting in Riley's best interest regardless of what it did to him. Which is what Joy was supposed to be doing. Or not supposed to. That's what Joy thought she was doing. Everybody knows my qualm with Bing Bong's sacrifice. That it was just there to tug on the heartstrings. Do you cry at the take her to the moon for me scene? Yeah. Uh, it was just because of how happy Bing Bong was to do it. Like, there was no reservations or anything. It was complete, complete, I know what I'm doing is the best thing for the person I love, who is Riley, and Mm -hmm. I'm happy about it. He was happy, and that made everybody sad. That made everybody cry. (laughs) See how that works. (laughs) He was very self-aware. I know what I'm about to do. It's what Riley needs. It's what the movie needs. So I'm going to do it. Exactly. And, I mean, she wasn't going to keep an imaginary friend around. He was going to get tossed and to the memory dump at some point i was thinking about the memory dump earlier like all the okay we have the the orb the memories that are colored and the memories that are faded i feel like all those memories are like stuff that you learn in school that they say you're gonna need but you never use (laughs) like i haven't used the pythagorean theorem since 11th grade that's probably a gray orb right now well no it's it can't be a gray orb because i still remember it I'm getting confused. No, that, I mean, I loved, I loved all the little workers that were in long-term memory because they were doing stuff like that. They were going through and like, you know, name of our friend's cat, got to dump that, <laughs> things like that, you know, because that's absolutely necessary in order for your brain to function. You have to get rid of irrelevant, unnecessary, unhelpful information to make room for new stuff. It's like when the uh, keyboard at the end of the movie gets expanded. You have to make room for... I want to see Inside Out 2, which will never happen because this movie doesn't need a sequel. It absolutely doesn't need a sequel. Where they get new emotions. Like, maybe they'll get contempt. Maybe they'll get surprise. And they have to deal with... I guess that. I guess contempt will probably come with puberty. Surprise should have oh, been there, now that I think about it. Oh, that would be amazing. Because, like, one of the things I loved best was in the credits, they had that one cool girl, and (laughs) she was, like, outside looking like she had contempt for everybody else, but inside, she's like, oh my god, they know I'm a fraud! Oh my god! (laughs) I always thought it was interesting who who was in charge of whose body. Like, I think it was Sadness was the leader of Mom's head, Anger was the leader Mm -hmm. of Dad's head, Mm -hmm. everybody in the teenage boy's head was... I think disgust. No, everybody in the teenage boy's head was fear, running around like he was. <laughs> he was run by five fears, dressed as everybody else. <laughs> that was hilarious. There's somebody else who had like all anger, but dressed as the other emotions. But I can't remember. It was just one of, one of the scenes in the credits. That might have been Dad. Like everybody had a mustache. No, no. Well, everybody didn't have a mustache on dads, but I was thinking of another one where they were all, they looked exactly like anger. And then there was the dog. I think there was a dog who had, I think it was ruled by, it was happiness, but they all were happy and they all looked like a dog. And then there was a cat and they were all just cats going around doing whatever. That's what it was. That's what it was. Mm Mm-hmm. So was this, this whole movie's a metaphor. This isn't necessarily what may go on in your head. It's just an idea. Do you think this is a metaphor that worked? I think it did. Like, I think it worked surprisingly well considering 
that it was a children's movie, especially, or geared towards children. I know that was a huge point of contention. <laughs> it was advertised to kids. Forgot what I was saying. Is this a is this a metaphor? Is this a good metaphor? Like the whole there's a control room in your head and there are people pushing buttons to make your decisions for you and they control your memory or they're ruled by your memories. Well, the idea that emotions are intimately connected with your memories is a really good metaphor. And the idea that the emotion associated with the memory can change depending on how the person is feeling at that time is also a really good metaphor because a lot of times we will remember things if we're in a really emotional state in a way that makes everything congruent with whatever we're feeling at that moment makes it the same as whatever we're feeling at that moment so you'll remember if you're pissed off at your parents and you think of a nice childhood memory then you're probably gonna be a little there's gonna be a little more anger in there like oh they didn't let me go on the slide (laughs) those motherfuckers didn't let me go on this goddamn slide (laughs) and the long-term memory was super cute the memory islands the having all the back catalog of memories that was really cute and good and the fact that they had little workers in there going to town and changing things constantly and basically rickrolling people with commercials that you don't want to remember yes. commercial jingles that was amazing i love that it's how your brain rickrolls you people that's thought suppression if you try to suppress a thought it's going to come back twice as hard that's that is just how it goes you can't suppress thoughts because they will come back to bite you so if that justin bieber song gets stuck in your head just let it happen the one problematic thing with the overall metaphor i thought was the idea that those islands actually made up her personality because personality is a really specific and distinct sort of uh, thing in psychology where it's a lot more about your traits and qualities than your experiences and i mean those are intertwined and you know your traits can definitely influence your experiences but your experiences can also definitely mess with your traits if you tend to be more shy and introverted as a kid and then you have parents who try to expose you to a lot of things and are making the experiences really enjoyable and reinforcing then slowly that kid is probably going to become a little more extroverted and like outgoing okay so the islands wouldn't crumble they'd probably just get renovated yeah yeah i like that more than them just falling into nothingness yeah that i like that i like that idea a lot more technically There are five big aspects of personality, if you want me to even just go off on this tangent. Those are neuroticism, which is like you being really emotional, maybe a little all over the place with how you're feeling. Uh, Very depressed, anxious people are usually high in neuroticism. Extroversion, that's like more than just being outgoing. If, If you're somebody anybody i guess it's about it's also about how when you interact with people whether or not you are energized by interacting with people or start to lose energy 
from interacting with people. So extroverts, outgoing people, are usually energized by going out and talking to people, and introverts are usually uh, kind of drained. Let's see, did extroversion, openness to experience, which is pretty self-explanatory, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Agreeableness, again, pretty self-explanatory, I think. And conscientiousness, so it's it's being very aware of your responsibilities and the things that are going around on around you and like time management stuff and just generally being your type a personality is going to be very high in conscientiousness does that have to do with like multitasking stuff too like if you're really good at multitasking not so much and no one is actually very good at multitasking. What? As fact. Fact. Even the people who think that they are way better at multitasking, when they do actual studies, they're still slightly slower than they would be if they were just doing one task at a time. They're way better at it than most people who are like way, 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 way off base or way, way slower if they try to multitask. That would have been a whole nother kettle of fish for them to open uh, in the movie. And I read on IMDb that they consulted, you know, psychologists and stuff. But I guess they didn't use everything. They just picked and chose the concepts that would work and then just didn't touch everything else. Because I guess it would be confusing. But based on what you just told me, I feel like they took the five personality traits and turned them into the islands. Hmm. Just, to show, just for the sake of showing... Riley's descent into from happy child into stealing mom's from mom's purse and running away because of sadness. Mm -hmm. So I like that. It's good storytelling. It's good creativity. Yeah. Thanks, Pixar. <laughs> Keep up the good work. So I'm going to ask the question that I kind of not so much ranted about, but this was my opinion in the episode: Is Inside Out a kids' movie? Is it meant for kids or is it meant for not so much nostalgic adults, but I guess adults who are coming of age who may have like the heart of a kid because we talked about it's for the it's for the Toy Story generation like the kids who grew up like were kids in Toy Story got the feels in Toy Story 3 because that's me I'm about to go off to college and I'm gonna have to leave my toys with some kid who will appreciate them more than I, as much as I used to is this movie for kids my personal opinion with kids movies is that with the rise of like nostalgia and throwback Thursdays and you know the Toy Story generation Toy Story 3 almost all of the kid movies now have to also be able to be enjoyable for the Toy Story generation and I think it's specific to the Toy Story generation <laughs> so it's both a kids movie and a kid and a movie for adults yeah it, okay. so it's marketed to kids but it has to be able to hold up to an adult viewership as well always in a disney movie there's always those that extra level of adult in jokes for who that the kids will it will completely miss the kids but the parents who have to sit there and watch little johnny and make yeah. sure this movie doesn't have boobs in it it's that jokes for you Exactly. Like in Mulan, when Mulan is a woman swimming naked with a bunch of men, and Mushu says there are some things that they're bound to notice. I feel like those jokes are for the adults in the audience. Okay, so maybe Inside Out is for kids. I mean, okay, so question for you. Do you feel like Inside Out 
had some sort of agenda or is trying to indoctrinate the kids to think in a certain way. I remember reading, not so much reviews, but think pieces, for lack of a better word, when this movie came out that this was telling people or telling kids that it's okay to be sad. You don't have to, you know, tough it out Mm -hmm. or you don't have to just be happy all the time. It's okay to be sad. Mm -hmm. And I guess when I say that this movie isn't for kids, I think the concept of the way emotions work, it's very complex Mm -hmm. and some kids will miss it. Whereas, wow, thinking about a lot of Pixar movies, a lot of those concepts are very up there. Like like Toy Story, the feeling of being replaced. I guess if if kids can get it, it's there to be got. Yeah. But Man. I think the the kid thing, the thing that kids should be able to get out of it is it's okay to be sad. I guess that's where I'm going with that. Yeah. Toy Story freaking messed me up because it made my empathy go too far. I was already really empathetic and felt other people's emotions and tried to put myself in their shoes. But then after Toy Story, I was making sure that I played with each of my toys equally so that they didn't feel left out or abandoned. <laughs> it's it's a plausible theory because it's like when you when you leave something somewhere and you can't find it the next day, where did it go? <laughs> yes. And where did the memory of where that thing go went? Exactly. Go? Exactly. I really liked that they had the memory dump because most of the information you get during the day gets dumped the vast majority of it so in the movie when they uh, at the end of the day they have all the orbs and they just hit the button and it goes to uh, what is it i guess storage because i don't remember the actual name that they use it's Mm -hmm. all that goes into not so much the the dump but it just sits on the shelf uncolored for a minute until it's needed yeah, the stuff that actually managed to stick around long enough to get to the other side, that stuff would probably just sit on the shelf unused. But the majority of stuff wouldn't even make it into the memory bank, really. Okay. It's stuff that you lose within like 10 seconds. I just had a thought. What if you have a photographic memory? What do you think happens to your memories then? Oh, I can't remember the name for that, but... They would they would have the majority of stuff that they actually paid some kind of a conscious attention to uh-huh. just get lodged in there forever. So they would have a massive little memory bank on all their little personality islands. Okay, so their shelves would just look like the Smithsonian or whatever, or whatever, the, the New York Public Library? Yeah. I had a friend of a friend who had a photographic memory... And he was in law school, and what he would do is he, as soon as he got his books, turn the page of every single book, like, have it, just look at the page for a second, and do that to all the books, and then he never had to read, because any time he needed the information, he could just bring it up like he was bringing up the book itself on, like, a little browser in his head. God, I'm jealous. I know. That would be so perfect if you were in law school. Yeah. Or any kind of graduate school. Yeah. And I, mean, I imagine that probably just takes like a day. Just yeah. gotta sit there and just go through it. Just download every book into your brain. Just, yeah. God. I know. I'm jelly. But stuff like the 
temperature of their hand at this one 10 second period of time during the day wouldn't get stuck in their brain okay. that's the thing that's the majority of the information that gets lost is all the stuff we're just not really consciously paying attention to mm-hmm. now if i were to take that hand and then slam it in a freaking car door and it hurt and you got pissed off at me for doing that for no freaking reason then you would actually remember it because it has meaning now it's got and it's got an emotion attached to it which helps to create the meaning and it'd be a red orb because of anger yeah so emotions would help some of those memories stick i guess songs movies smells i don't know how that works in the brain (laughs) they're tied to emotions like i can't like there's a song that like an ex-girlfriend loved and there's there's a mixture of disgust and sadness and anger tied Mm -hmm. to listening to that song and when i listen to that song i guess that memory kind of pops up and then i immediately switch to something else and that makes sense that you would have such complicated emotions concerning it because each time you retrieve a memory you're actually changing it a little bit so you're incorporating after after you break up then you're incorporating the sadness and maybe like a couple weeks later you're able to actually get mad about it so you're incorporating the anger disgust etc kind of like how sadness was touching the memories and it changed yes and i I really like that riley's transitioning more into like young adulthood as was marked by the fact that she was able to have memories with multiple emotions attached to them because yeah that's how life actually is it's not that simplistic i guess it's just a sign of her growing up because that happened they got a new keyboard the puberty button showed up (laughs) which was it was it a button Uh, or just an alarm i can't remember it was a button it was you know how every show has that big red button that you just cannot push and everyone ends up pushing it 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 was one of those big old red buttons do not push which who the hell wants to go through puberty you know do not push I know this is recommended to you in a lot of psychology classes, so would you jump on the bandwagon now? Not so much the bandwagon, but would you join them and recommend this to, let's say you meet a a, a freshman psychology major, would you recommend this to them? It's like, hey, this is a good, or this is a decent depiction of a concept. Not as something that would be a teaching tool, like they're getting the information from inside out, but if they wanted to do something fun but they don't really have a whole lot of time because they're freaking students and they don't get to have fun that could be a fun way to study i guess Mm -hmm. is to go through and be like oh that's actually similar to how we actually have our cognitions and thoughts and stuff oh that is not at all on point and just try to use the information they have Mm -hmm. this is good for like exercises like compare and contrast like give them the scene deconstruct the scene yeah Okay. It's like how I'm super, super bored in ethics, learning about notice of privacy practices crap, and then I'm really bored in the doctor's office, so then I start looking at their notice of privacy practices and be like, I know why you're there. (laughs) Well, thank you, Casey, for recording this episode with us. It was great having you. It was great. I want to say to be here, but... 
um, to have you here. <laughs> yeah, we're in your we're in your house. Yeah. So. Thanks for allowing me to come to your house and talk to you about Inside Out. Thank you for dropping some knowledge on our listeners. Hopefully, they learned something new. Hopefully, this was fun. It was an experience. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Tell us how we're doing. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disneyverses and on Twitter at Disneyverses. Hopefully, during the holiday break, I can get us on Google Play because I've gotten a few requests from people saying we should be on Google Play. I'm going to work on it. I don't exactly know how it works, but I will Google how to get us on Google Play. See how that works? It's the holidays, like I said. Heather and Grace are already off celebrating with their families and stuff. We'll be back in 2017 with the second half of round one. I know it's taking us forever to get through it. Happy holidays. Happy New Year to all of you who are listening. I know 2016 sucks. Hopefully 2017 will be a little bit better. Be safe. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate our listeners out there. And we'll see you in 2017.